Welcome back to another episode of Crime Beneath the Vines. I'm your host, Willow Dawn, and today I'm going to be taking a little bit more of an unconventional approach as I cover this case. Today's case was a case from 2005 in which $250 million worth of wine was destroyed in a fire as a way of collecting some insurance money. Uh, However, of course, this did not turn out well for the person, Mark Anderson, who attempted to recover all this money, and I can't wait to discuss it. But first, I just want to highlight a little something. It is a very exciting week here in wine country, at least for me, uh, because I am graduating from college this Saturday, which is so exciting. I can't believe it. And it's also why there's been a little bit of delay with just getting certain things wrapped up as college has come to a close. Things have been wild, but I am so happy to see where I am able to take my show after this. Before I ramble on too much longer, we can get on into it. However, first, I just want to highlight that typically I always write a script for any of my shows that I record just so that I can have all my ducks in a row before actually hopping on mic. However, today I am going to be trying something different. Today, I'm going to try a new strategy of more just recording on the mic and reciting to you the stories as they come up, and also including more of my in-the-moment reactions. This might just be a one-time thing, or it's going to be something I'm going to carry on throughout future episodes. We will definitely see. And before I keep rambling on, I mean, let's just get into it. At first glance, I guess Mark Anderson could be described as your typical Marinite from Sausalito. He attended all the board meetings for local organizations, always inserting himself into all of the little goings-on in town, and he even wrote columns in the local paper about these. In his free time, he would spin spin yarn, and he also would claim to people that he invented voicemail or even managed the rock and roll band Iron Butterfly. Essentially, he was a serial liar. He even would claim to some people that he was at one point an Israeli spy and had even had lunch with Chairman Mao, which, dude, come on. So crazy. But I mean, in reality, he was living off of his father's savings. And this dynamic ended up actually creating a family rift between uh, Mark Anderson and his brother, Stephen. So eventually this rift would lead him into trying to find another business. Meanwhile, on the family end of things, his brother Stephen was totally on to Mark's weird behavior, and he had even created a website called Corpulent Raider to call out what he saw as predatory behavior to the public because he was on to Mark. He was like, this is not okay, and we can't keep letting him get away with this. Meanwhile, it was the late 90s, and Mark was exploring his passion for wine. He was described by many as a self-taught wine connoisseur who had a love for everything wine-related. He would travel to Italy and France and spend as much of his time as possible just eating and drinking and soaking up everything that was wine country culture. And this eventually led him, or I guess inspired him, to open a wine storage facility called Sausalito Cellars. And initially, this storage facility started out as a robust business and saw a lot of high-level clients. Between 1999 and 2002, Mark had actually started selling a lot of wine out of the storage facility. Between these years, he sold about $280,000 worth of wine just to one specific buyer, and almost $300,000 worth of wine to a whole other buyer, which is a good example of just what type of clientele he was catering to. He was catering to the guys with the big bucks. 
Now, as it's common knowledge, people who have a little bit more money behind them and a passion for wine are generally going to be a lot more likely to invest a lot of money in their bottles. And that means buying expensive bottles and sometimes even more than they can store themselves. So they would store it at a third party location like Mark Anderson's business which means they were putting their trust into Mark to keep the bottles they had purchased from him squared away for them so that they weren't getting mixed into other shipments or even just lost to time or other sales. People were trusting him that they could buy a bottle from him and he would have it for them. But ultimately, that really wasn't the case. By the time 2003 rolled around, Mark had gotten into such a weird habit of committing funky fraud and scams against his clients. One of his former employees said, quote, by 2003, Anderson had gotten into such a rhythm that he didn't even try to hide his illicit dealings from his employees. Anderson would pull out a box, strip off all signs of his clients' names, and then hand over the boxes to a hired seller worker to put in a van. He was so open about his theft that one of his employees would even use their time card designated duty to write help destroy evidence because that's what they were doing. Mark was making them destroy evidence of the order that was made and cover it up with another one. And all of this started to unravel in late 2003 when a client of Mark's, Samuel Maslack, who was actually a restaurant client, was going through some bankruptcy. At the time, he was ready to pick up the like almost 800 cases of wine that he had stored with Anderson, worth a value of almost $650,000. Because Sam wanted to sell them. It was good extra money, and he was going through bankruptcy, so he really needed it. But when his driver arrived to pick up the wine, instead of finding the almost 800 cases they were expecting, there was only 144 cases set aside for them. Word of this weird dealing spread quickly to all of Mark's other clients, and immediately they responded by trying to check on their collections, also to find most of their collections largely emptied out and sold off to someone else. It was horrible. And most of Mark's buyers did the logical thing. They stopped buying from him and told their friends about what he was doing. However, he had a way to get around that. He ended up making a new company under a new name and decided to sell to the same people who, I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe they didn't background check him or anything because who knows, but they definitely should have learned from that lesson because they got scammed again. But however, I mean, despite this, business was still faltering and Mark needed a new facility for his previous business, Sausalito Cellars. So he ended up moving in to Wines Central. Now, Wine Central is actually a massive former naval base located on Mare Island, which is in Vallejo, about 30 miles northeast of San Francisco. And at the time, Wines Central was a warehouse that rented out to a bunch of different sellers. And Mark just happened to be one of them, renting about 2,500 feet of the space. Now, by the time 2004 rolled around, Mark was actually facing multiple different civil suits from a variety of his former clients. But the chaos didn't end there. By April 2005, a SWAT team raided his house. And actually, in that raid, which I find hilarious, they found a stack of books on how to disappear. So clearly, Mark had ulterior motives going on in the background. But meanwhile, in the forefront, he was still selling wine, maintaining his business. 
And June of 2005 only brought with it more drama for Mark because the owner of Wine Central basically told him that he needed to get the heck out. He was evicted and he needed to have his inventory in completion out by September. And Mark was basically seething at this news because the owner of Wine Central was basically a friend prior to Mark moving his business in there. He had known him previously, and the owner of Wine Central had actually helped him hunt for investors so that he could continue his business. So he considered this entire eviction a betrayal, and he threatened to sue him. But on the back end, he had a lot of other concerns because the law was actively closing in on him. Thus sparked, and I should say pun very much intended, the idea in Mark's mind that he could spark a fire at Wine Central and basically it would make any embezzlement charges against him impossible to prove. He could simply claim that any missing wine had been misplaced and located somewhere else in the warehouse at the time of the fire and there was no way to know because it had all burned down. Now, prior to any incident occurring, the Wine Central warehouse had previously been viewed as virtually indestructible. I mean, having been a former Navy shipyard that closed in 1996, it was used for years for storing atomic bomb components that were en route to the Pacific in World War II. So no one thought that this could be a place that they would have to worry about burning down. But Mark made sure of that as the fire started in an upstairs mezzanine, one of the only areas in the entire building that contained wood. I mean, this whole building was made of concrete and steel, so it was difficult to burn down, but Mark knew where to ignite it. And as I'd mentioned, Mark was only renting out 2,500 feet of this space. So alongside wine, not just his wine business, but others as well, were sugar and pasta sauce and other goods that were being housed for sale. In the end, the prosecutor of the case estimated that the fire destroyed about four and a half million bottles worth of wine, estimated around $277 million in value. And I mean, it wasn't just Mark's business, again, that was housing wine here. There was a plethora of small wineries and businesses that were housing their stuff there as well. So they were facing such a loss. And it was a loss that unfortunately, insurance companies just wouldn't cover. On top of this, I think it is so valuable to note that there were people in the building at the time of the fire. And it's something that's often seems to be brushed over with this case. But there were former employees of Mark and other just employees of all these other small businesses in the warehouse at the time of the fire. Everyone claimed that Mark should have been charged with attempted murder. However, that charge was never introduced. But luckily, there weren't any deaths or injuries. However, I just... I don't even know. It's so disgusting that this guy lit off fire in a warehouse he knew had people in it, living, breathing people that were innocent and had like th there was no world in which they should have been crossed over with this crime. It just makes me so exasperated to know that so many innocent lives were put in danger for simply the carelessness of a failed business. It's not that serious, dude. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's not that serious, bro. Now, it actually took a couple of years for Mark to be arrested for this crime because following the fire, he was still just a suspect. However, his brother Stephen, remember Stephen? Well, he knew that Mark was an awful person 
And he had a lot of speculation as to his motives for possibly committing this crime. I mean, there were plenty of them. So Stephen took to that website he had created and he decided to post all about how Mark really was. Eventually, all of this did lead to Mark's arrest in 2007. In March of 2007, Mark was arrested on 19 counts of crimes, including arson, interstate transportation of fraudulently obtained property, mail fraud, use of a fictitious name in connection with a scheme to defraud, and tax evasion, amongst 15 other counts. In total, in the end, he was sentenced to about 27 years in prison and ordered to pay $70.3 million in restitution, which skip forward to 2023, I can tell you that didn't happen. As soon as Mark knew people were onto him, he went on a trailblazing effort to destroy any evidence that could possibly lead this crime back to him. However, in the end, he did plead guilty to it in 2009. It may not be a surprise, but following this plea of guilt, Mark actually tried to withdraw his guilty plea. He eventually was sentenced in 2012 to the crime. However, he continued to actually deny he had ever set the fire all the way through until his passing, which just happened. Mark Anderson was a man who embezzled thousands of bottles of wine and dollars from his clients and eventually set fire to a warehouse in 2005, destroying about $250 million worth of wine, passed away this year on January 13th at the UC Davis Medical Center, just five months after he was given a compassionate release from federal prison because of his health problems. That's right. This guy was given a compassionate release because I guess they wanted him to enjoy life a little bit more or have a second chance, which is crazy. He was sentenced to 34 years in prison and they let him out very, very early because of compassion. Continuity correction from the future. He was actually sentenced to 27 years. And seemingly, Mark actually faced a lot of compassion throughout his entire time in prison. I mean, they almost released him even earlier during the COVID-19 pandemic because Mark had a plethora of medical problems. But I'm sorry, in what world does medical problems excuse you from all of the crimes you've committed? You were arrested with 19 counts of crimes, criminal activity, and you were let go? You threatened the lives of many people, and you were just let go? The part that just really gets me is after all of this, after all the pain and the grief from so many people, Mark never acknowledged the crime, or even admitted he did it, or even expressed that he felt bad for the victims of it. There were so many people who lost so much money. And it needs to be highlighted that not just money was lost in this accident, or I shouldn't even say accident, in this crime. People lost a lot of history also. With wine, you only get one season to make it. And that season is unique to that year, to the weather patterns and the harvest time and everything else. So if you destroy a really expensive bottle of fine wine from 1985, there's just no getting it back. And you're never going to have the same conditions that created that beautiful wine. So it's really just devastating that after the fire destroying so much genuine history, he seemingly didn't care. In 1999, Mark Anderson opened one of the Bay Area's first wine storage facilities. And in 2005, he burnt it down destroying what could have been a great legacy. But 
I mean, we'll never get to see that. I really hope you guys have enjoyed this little mini unscripted episode of Crime Beneath the Vines. I'm your host, Willow Dawn, and I cannot wait until the next episode comes out, at which time I will be a college graduate. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Uh, Anyways, I just really hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your May, and I'll be coming with you next with that Limerick Lane story. Until next time, goodbye, y'all. (laughs) 